I'm Austin. I'm Mike. We are the test drivers. And we put tech through its paces. Tech-tember is almost done, and oh boy, do we have a lot to go over today. Well, isn't, I guess technically it's like Techtober now too, right? Because it really, it's, this, it's all the same at this point. It's just like the season of tech. Now, here's the thing though. If we have five minutes of Techtober left. Oh, wait, no, no, no. Techtember. Techtember. Oh God, this is, this is really confusing. I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but the rate that things are coming out, I, if we've got five seconds of time between when we record this and when the episode goes live, there will definitely be like seven announcements <laughs> between that time. Like it's no doubt in my mind. Yeah, we are in that rough time. Right it's good now. though. It keeps us busy. Yes, it's good. Good time. Rough time. Good time. Uh, I scratched my Z flip. Oh, that's not a good time. What? What? That's it. That. What? That's I have no idea how this happened. I I have no idea how this happened at all. Uh, I was use. I've been using it a lot, and it's okay. picked up some surface scratches, like little ones. I don't know where from, but like I'm kind of fine with that. You know, phones that happens to phones. Glass phones, they pick up little scratches. But I yeah. put a link in. You can look at the image. I'll put it in the show notes too. It's like oh. it's not. It looks like it's a crack, but it's not. It's a scratch. And I, mm. for the life of me, cannot fathom what has basically put as a, a like it's a scratch I can feel mm-hmm. all the way down the back of the thing, the whole way down. Can I uh, make an observation? Yeah. Was it around? a iPhone per chance because we've had issues where the screens, I guess whatever the Sapphire uh, like sort of little lens the over the cameras mm-hmm. have scratched pretty much anything in their way because they're harder. Is there a potential that your iPhone got set on top of the Z Flip for a second? And Possibly. Yeah. Mm. Huh. Uh, so like, like, the, like the iPhone attacks the Z Flip or something? Yeah. Well, that actually, that's a thing for most cameras are as hard, if not slightly harder, than the actual displays that are, you know, like the glass either on front or back of a phone. But especially the Sapphire on the iPhones, we've had this issue a couple of times when we're shooting a phone, and if you so much as let the camera bump touch any part of the glass on another device, it's pretty easy to scratch up, especially considering how long that one is. I can imagine you set your phone down, or like it was in your pocket or whatever, and it just slid all the way across and just went... Maybe that makes... Because I've never had something like this happen before. Like to a phone, like I've I've never had that. Like this 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 is like a big, it's a pretty wild scratch to be honest. It's like the good it's, thing is, it's big. It has nothing to do with the fact that it's a Z Flip, right? It's on the outside. This could have been any other device. And honestly, it's better that it's on the outside because now, Mike, you can slap a skin on it like I do on the back half of my Z Flip, covered up, and you get that little bit of textile sort of texture. Actually, no, not textile. Texture. Textile texture. <laughs> Yeah, textile texture. That's definitely a skin that you can get. But really, I actually think it's probably a good move because that way you don't have to look at the scratch. And for me, like I just love having the sort of the the textile texture to be able to actually flip the phone around. Yeah. One step better for you, my friend. I got an email today, a restock notification of that banana Samsung case with the strap on it. Oh, are you gonna do it? (laughs) Are you gonna I bought do it? one. I bought it. It's yeah. on the way. I bought, I bought that that <laughs> wild thing. I'm I'm getting it. So I got the blue one with the orange strap. <laughs> oh. So that's gonna be a future thing. I I am pretty. I'm actually pretty excited for it because you know I like the pop socket on on my iPhone. 
Although mm. I have a pop socket on my new iPhone. We'll talk about the new iPhone in a little bit. And it's not sticking so well. So, oh, which is weird. I, I've heard this from people before. Like I've had listeners contact me and they're like, how do you get the pop socket to stick? Like on previous phones, I'm like oh, I have no problem with it. But like pop sockets since like the iPhone 11, they don't officially like support you sticking the pop socket directly to the phone anymore because the texture glass doesn't mm-hmm. stick so well. But I'd yeah, never had yeah. an issue, but now it's not holding so well. So I might check out one of the, they do the MagSafe ones, mm-hmm. which I'm not into because they're so large. It covers so much of yeah. the phone. Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, I, I might I might take a look at one of those. So uh, I, there's a lot to talk about on the iPhone, but um, there's a little uh, OnePlus news. I think we're almost sort of obliged to cover at this point. Yeah, this is pretty good follow up. So uh, we've spoken in the past about the merging of Oppo and OnePlus and CEO Pete Lau has confirmed that the next year flagship will feature a unified operating system with Oppo. So this is a quote from Pete Lau. The approach will result in an operating system that's fast and smooth and clean and lightweight like Oxygen OS while also being reliable and smart and feature-rich like ColorOS. I mean, yeah. I'm sure that's a completely accurate statement and we'll all love it. It'll be great. <laughs> I'm so excited. Uh, well, I mean, look, we knew this is coming, right? We knew this yep, is coming. Yep. And they've confirmed yep. it. They also actually said as well that there will be no... T model of the phones this year. So no more OnePluses, no more flagship OnePluses, I guess, for the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, I don't know if that's just a move that they're just going to start doing from now on or because of all the restructuring and whatnot, they had to kind of like take a pause, sort of skip the T model phone this year. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, obviously, there's a lot that's going on behind the scenes at OnePlus over the last year. Uh, I get that there's sort of some shakeup there. Look, I feel like we've talked about it at length in the past. I don't really want to. Well, here's another yeah. thing I'll ask you, like for maybe for this. Yeah. Do you think maybe the, was it the 9, right? 9 Pro? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think maybe it didn't sell well? Uh, that's a good question. I am under the impression that it sold fairly well. I know, though, based on the 9 Pro that we have, they've been fiddling a lot with the actual software. They've been mm. sort of like swapping in and out like Color OS features and Oxygen OS features and stuff. Like, uh, they're clearly, there's a lot of stuff that are kind of like tweaking and changing and the people get mad about and they switch it back and stuff. So it definitely feels like 2021 is a year of upheaval at OnePlus. Hopefully, they're able to land on their feet. They're able to kind of make not only sort of auction OS better, but color OS better. I just, my priors here are just that I don't really particularly like color OS. I think it's sort of, it, it, auction OS is way closer to like kind of my ideal Android experience. And the fact that they are changing that and kind of watering it down, like, yes, the longer sort of mm-hmm. software updates are better. And sure, I'm sure they'll find some cool features in color OS and shove mm-hmm. it in. But I, I think we really need to kind of give OnePlus really probably another year before we can fully judge exactly what's going on because they're clearly making a lot of moves as we speak to kind of restructure the hardware teams, completely sort of restructure the software teams. Like, there's a lot going on there. Yeah, it's just for as a reminder, because uh, it's not completely clear, Oxygen OS is what runs currently on OnePlus phones. Color OS is what runs on Oppo phones, both based on yeah. Android, just very different builds on top of. And Oxygen OS is considered to be one of the good ones, you know. 
Yes, yes. ColorOS has traditionally been a little bit more of the sort of the ham-fisted. Samsung-like. Yeah, yeah. Old school, like kind of Android skins, whereas Oxygen Ooh. OS is much more like, <laughs> oh my God, please don't. Please do not do that. <laughs> Dude, I, I feel like I've told this story before, but one of my very first, actually, no, my very first like tech event that I was invited to was the launch of the Samsung Galaxy S3. Mm-hmm. I will never forget I was in a room, it was myself, it was like uh, a couple of other tech reviewers, and we all got the phones, and we were all kind of unboxing them and sort of setting them up in a conference room for the first time. And that room was filled with bloop, 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 I was, that was such a like a visceral memory of like, oh, this is what it's like to kind of do a tech video and be at the event and stuff. I was like, it's really bloopy in here. Uh, Galaxy S3 is an ugly phone. Like, I, I don't no, think that this is... No, Yes, no, yes, no. it's an ugly phone. Man, Are you being S3? serious right now? Yeah. It was good for the time. I mean, it was plastic on plastic on plastic. I don't know. Was it? Was it good yeah. for the time? Yeah. 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 What year was bad. this? Uh, 2014? It was a while ago. Smartphones, 2014. I'm just Google image searching now. Wait, was it... Tw- oh, no, now you're making me question myself. Was it 2013? No, I think it might have been 2013. Oh, God. That was a long Maybe. time ago. 2012! Oh, my God. That was way off. Whoa. <laughs> okay. Uh, Austin, uh, like, yeah. come on. We had the iPhone 5 then. Wait, in 2012? Oh, God. Now you're making me, like, go, wait, was the iPhone 5 out in 2012? No way. This is what Google's no. telling me. Really? Oh, my God. Uh, iPhone 5, Galaxy S3, the Razer Max HD, the HTC One, Lumia 920, and Nexus 4. They were the kind of phones around at the time. Okay. I would say out of those, like this is from a website called newatlas.com. I have no idea what this website is. Maybe none <laughs> of this is at all uh, trustworthy. I'm going to put in the show notes anyway. If these were all out in the same year, the Galaxy S3 was the ugliest of all of those. Oh man. <sighs> I just remember the S3 being such a solid phone. Like, it just, the screen was nice. The cameras were really good for the time. Yeah, it was definitely plastic on plastic. But, like, I definitely daily drove that for most of that, I guess, 2012 year. And, man, it was it was nice. But Design-wise, I don't think it was a winner, my friend. I'm sorry to say. Ah, all right, fine. Okay, fine. The rose-tinted glasses are coming off. It's a little bit Especially the looking. Lumia. Like, those Nokia phones, they were so yeah. good-looking. Like, they yep. were so weird and fun and colorful and stuff. We should do Uh-oh. a, like, retro throwback episode of, like, going back through our old phones and kind of going, like, year by year on, like, how tech went. I feel like that actually could be, like, a fun way, maybe, like, for, like, our last episode of the year or something of, mm-hmm. like, see how much we can actually remember and go down the, the good old days before every phone was beautiful and perfect and we had nothing to complain about. Retro phone episode. And put it in our document. We'll come back to that at some point. I, I know this is a note that in like two months, I'm not going to know what that means, but I put it, in there, put it in there anyway. Hey, talking about talking about not knowing what something means. Oh my God, Mike, don't do it to me. Don't do it to me. <laughs> Let's talk about your custom keyboard. Okay, all right, all right. So first of all, <laughs> you were texting me about this. I was like, okay, uh-huh. okay. So for the most recent episode of Mystery Tech, we got a number of items, but the one that I was certainly the most excited for is a completely custom keyboard made by Betty over at Switch and Click. So I'm not sure. Have you are you familiar with her channel? Yeah. 
So I've seen it a couple times, but uh, it was just funny because I had just happened to watch one of her videos and she emailed me like the day after. And she's like, hey, I love Mystery Tech. Can I make you a keyboard? I was like, oh my God, yes, please. So she made a very unique keyboard for myself. And mm -hmm. um, look, this, we've done a lot of keyboard stuff, but it's usually been like off the shelf things. Like Ken's built a couple keyboards, but like, Neither of us are that deep into like the true Mike Hurley keyboard club yeah. world. Yeah, you're, but, it's like a little. It's like it, not in a mad way, but like you're a little like surface level of it. Absolutely, oh, hundred yeah. percent, right? Um, so what Betty built was, I mean, it blew my mind, right? So, so um, good. It's a great build. It's genuinely very, very good build. And it's her video. I don't know if you saw was mm -hmm. terrific, right? I like saw that she, one first. A test yeah. driver's listener sent me the video. I hadn't seen it yet. A test oh, driver's really? listener sent me the video and was like, I hope you're going to talk about this on the test drivers. And I was like, <laughs> yes, we will. I immediately like, added keyboard. it to our document. <laughs> <laughs> so the the build was in the most solid sort of chassis I've ever mm -hmm. touched in my life. It is the KBD-8X Mark II. Yeah, some KBD KBD fans is the company that makes it. Yeah. So are you familiar with this particular chassis? Yeah, I, I don't have a KBDAX, but I'm very familiar with it. It weighs 700 pounds. It doesn't weigh 700 pounds. It weighs pounds. 700 pounds. Wow. You need a team yeah. of men to lift it up. It is, no, it is massively solid. Like, uh, the best way I could describe it is it feels like it's like a solid, like, block of granite that, like, uh -huh. a cube was, like, hewn out of. Like, it is incredible. It's, it's aluminum body with a brass weight in it, right? I honestly don't know. I certainly there's brass on the bottom. Yeah, aluminium top and bottom case for brass weight, and you probably got a brass plate in there as well. So there is. They yeah. can be heavy. Like I have a keyboard which is kind of like this in a way. It's it. it I have an all aluminium with a brass plate, uh, brass pl brass plate and weight, and it's a TKL, so a tankless keyboard, which means it's got like very similar in 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 like when you look at it from top down from the layout i have, mm -hmm. I have a, a rama keyboard is my one man this thing has changed my life in fact actually so traditionally not only at home but also at the office i've lived uh the sort of the laptop life right mm -hmm. so i've had like sort of a, one of the small standing desks that's just wide enough for like a keyboard or in this case like a macbook or something and I plug into uh, like an external display, but essentially I've always just had the width of like either up to like maybe like a 16 inch MacBook or so. And mm -hmm. I have a mouse on the side, but I've always used like the MacBook keyboard and trackpad along with the mouse and the external display. This keyboard has changed my life to the fact where I'm about to rip up all of my setups, both at home and at work, or I guess technically one of the two, because I need to figure out where the keyboard actually eventually lives. But uh, oh, it's so good. But Mike, mm -hmm. the reason you were making fun of me is because <laughs> there is a thing that was done to this keyboard called Saracote. 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 Saracoted mm -hmm. keyboard, mm -hmm. which I have now since learned is a ceramic coat. It was painted. It was sort of got the splatter design. Mm -hmm. um, I, look, I had never heard of this before. It looks and feels fantastic. But uh, is this a common thing? Am I just completely missing out that I didn't know what Saracoting is? Um, I don't that know. If you, like a yes. <laughs> it, so, like, it's it's common in a way. So, I first found out about Seracoting because some friends of mine, Tom and Dan, they run a company called Studio Neat, and they made a pen called the Mark One, which is Seracoted. This is how I first ah. found out about Seracoting. But Seraco is very commonly used in gun customizing. 
Oh. So like if you Google Cerakote, which is C-E-R-A-K-O-T-E, because that's a brand, by the way. Cerakote is a brand. If oh, you if you Google Cerakoting, uh, you find just tons of pictures of wild looking guns. Mm-hmm. And but you can do it in a bunch of stuff. Keyboards is very common. You can buy keyboards that have a Cerakote on them. It's just like a, a version. Like you maybe want to anodize it, maybe you want to electrolysis color it, or you can Cerakote it. It changes the way it feels because Cerakote has a, a different kind of feel to it. It doesn't really feel like metal so much anymore. It's kind of like a soft yeah. touch in a way. Yeah, um, yeah. Or what, like a lot of people do, like how you can own a a gun, say, and you send it off and get it Cerakoted. You can do that for keyboard. You send it to a Cerakote shop and they'll coat it. And that's what Betty did for yours. It is incredible. I look, I mean, uh, when I just touched it, I just assumed it was like some great paint job or something. I had no idea, but um, it's so good, man. It's so good. Like, I will never be on your level when it comes to keyboards. Like, I fully admit that you are the master. This is basically on my level. You use Boba U4T tactile switches, which is what I have in my favorite keyboards. Oh, really? What you have, the board you have right now, is very similar to some of the best ones that I use every day. Like, you have a very solid setup built by someone who really knows what they're doing. Yes, that's the key uh, part. You build your keyboards. Uh, Betty built mine. And so I, I can appreciate it, but only to a level because it's so much of this like super, super technical stuff mm-hmm. goes way over my head. Like I appreciate it. I know that it feels absolutely life-changing to type on this just chunk. I was about to say chunkus, but I know you don't like me when I say that. This chunk-tastic <laughs> keyboard. I don't think I like chunk much more, to be honest. <laughs> but like, we get, you know, How? whatever you solid. want, really. It's very solid. <laughs> beefy. My, I have to, I'm not going to let the Saracote thing go for a minute, though. Because I just, Aww. there was a moment that, like, I died. So, you and Ken, <laughs> were, you mainly were trying to work out what it was. You were reading it and you were calling it Caracote, right? Yeah. So, yep. you couldn't work it out. So then yeah. you and Ken were investigating it and you worked out it's ceramic coating. Yeah. But you still called it Caracote, which was hilarious <laughs> to me. Like, you know it's ceramic coating, right? But it, like, I, I, like, I understand this. it's a weird word, right? But it was yep. it just was very funny to me. That it's like, you, you, like, Caracote, what is this? Ceramic coating. Okay, it's Caracote. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, look, look. All I know is that my fingers have been blessed with the power of an amazing keyboard that looks and feels great. Details aren't important. Ah, oh, I just noticed enough. something in our show document here. So we have a shared <laughs> no, Google Doc. No, you didn't. No, you and didn't. it currently says Cerakote with a C. <laughs> but when I opened the doc this morning, it said Cerakote with a K. And I thought you were joking with yourself. But you changed it because you wrote it wrong again, didn't you? I, I literally, about three minutes ago as we were recording, I secretly ch- re- misspelled <laughs> the name. I like changed it from the K to a C, hoping you wouldn't notice. Damn it, Mike. I Damn thought it. that you were like, you'd written it in there as like an in-joke for yourself. You were still calling no. it Caraco. I, I think that that again. needs to be the name of your keyboard. <laughs> you, you just need to call the it Caraco. So you also have some pretty nice keycaps on there as well, too. I think you have some GMK, white and black, and black and white mixture, which is pretty cool that, that Betty did that for you. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm a big fan of yellow in my life. And of course, if you guys are listening and you have not seen this keyboard, we'll have uh, I'll take a photo for the show notes. So we also have it. In- I'll also put links to both the videos as well. So people, people should go and watch Betty's video because it's very funny. Uh, they do like a mystery tech in the middle, which is very oh, so good. good. It's a great so video. Good. It's very fun. But man, it is it is life changing. I really just need to sort out how this fits in my standing desk setup. Really, that's the big yeah. thing because like 
if I, because I still like using laptops, right? But unfortunately, the way my sort of desk is set up, there's no space for a laptop and a keyboard and a mouse. So I may need to, honestly, I might actually need to switch over to like a docked laptop setup and just give up the trackpad and the keyboard altogether. But I love having the trackpad when I edit. So I, I, I got to kind of work out exactly how I'm going to do this. But man, this thing is incredible. It really, so like, I'll say like, it's kind of what I like about it, right? And, and I've been diving into this. It You use your keyboard so much. Like I hear people say this, like a lot of people that are really into the hobby, like streamers and stuff. If you are a person who sits at a computer all day, and honestly, so many of us, right? Massive amounts mm-hmm. of the population, you know, whether for fun or for work, your keyboard is one of the things that you will use the most. And for some people, like you use it more than a mouse or a trackpad or whatever. Yeah. Uh, why not have something that is just a joy to use. Like, I think most people don't think about their keyboard because their keyboard is just like, whatever, you know? It's like, whatever. It's, yeah. it's either fine or it's a problem. But these ones, when you when you choose all the pieces or you have all the pieces, like, specifically chosen for you and it's put together with care and, like, really well, like, man, it's just... I find it just a joy, like an absolute joy. And so you are now... Now you really have something good, right? So like I know yes. that you've been I know you've been used to mechanical keyboards, but the mechanical keyboards that you've been used to they're like pre-made, right? Mm-hmm. And so like you can judge those and they all they, there is a level at which some are pretty decent. But this is like artisan. Next level. Yeah, you're Absolutely. You, this, you are in that like really good level now cuz like the KBDAX is like a 3-400 keyboard. Oh my god! But for good yeah. reason because it's made really well. Like I know a lot of people really like that keyboard. Um, the layout's great, colors great, yellow with the black speckles. You got a special, and uh, yeah, I think it's awesome. I'm really pleased that, you, that 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 was done for you. It's awesome, Mike. You've been working on this for a long time, and I feel like you just slowly twist my arm between like the pens, between the keyboards. Mm-hmm. I feel like stuff like mechanical watches, like all of this kind of stuff that feels so like sort of tactile. Part of the reason why I like like old Porsches and stuff like there's something about like in the digital world we live in that real physical like the touch and the feel and stuff. It's like to me, it's like it's always there. But then I buy more Pokemon cards and don't don't spend money on these things. But it's always there. (laughs) Now that I use this, man. You say you're just this is this is just Pokemon cards for you. You know, it, it can't be. It can't be. I definitely don't have space in my life for anything else like that. Um, not that uh, anyone else who's listening is watching and would judge me for that. <clears throat> <I'm> listening, <clears throat> but um, yes, my keyboard is fantastic, and I now live a better life. Mm-hmm. And I will certainly not go any deeper because that would just be a uh, questionable decision. We'll see. This episode is brought to you by Pingdom from Solar Winds. Today's internet users expect a fast web experience because look, it doesn't matter how targeted your marketing or how sleek your website feels to use. If somebody comes to your page and it's not loading or loading too slowly, they're going to leave. But with real user monitoring from Pingdom, you can discover how website performance is affecting the experience of your visitors. So you're able to take action before your business is impacted or for as low as $10 a month. Whether your visitors are dispersed around the world or are using different browsers, different devices, different operating systems, it doesn't matter because Pingdom's going to help you identify those bottlenecks, troubleshoot the performance, and make informed optimizations. Real user monitoring is an event-based solution. It's built for scalability, which means you can monitor millions of page views, not just sample data at an affordable price. 
So get live site performance visibility today with real user monitoring from Pingdom. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM and get a 30-day free trial with no credit card required. Then when you're ready to buy, use the code TESTDRIVERS at checkout and you will get an awesome 30% of your first invoice. That's pingdom.com slash RelayFM and the code TESTDRIVERS at checkout to get an awesome 30% of your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and RelayFM. Got my iPhone, iPhone Same. Pro Max. Which, what do you, do you have a select? You have a selection of iPhones, right? Yes, yes. So uh, I think it was like a day or two after we recorded the episode uh, last time. Uh, I did get, uh, thankfully, the review units of all four iPhones. So I've been able to play with all of them, get a good sense of them, uh, and I think we have a little disagreement here. Okay. Um, I'm assuming. You're still living on the Pro Max. Easy. There was no decision. Like, it was just, I, I, I just re-bought what I had last time. The gold Pro Max. Okay. It's the so only my, choice. Here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing, okay? Mm-hmm. I, I, as an iPhone 12 mini user, I really liked that phone. Mm-hmm. I really liked that phone. But as we discussed last time, the 13 Pro had my name all over it, right? The better camera... The fact that it's got the ProMotion 120 hertz, the better battery life, the better GPU, all this kind of stuff, right? To me, the ProRes and everything, iPhone 13 Pro was an easy cop. Instantly ordered it, you know, the the whole deal, right? Got Mm -hmm. in the blue, everything. Um, So it's big and it's heavy and I miss my mini. That's, That's it. That's my review. I have some regrets at the moment with this phone, which is very nice and very excellent in every way. But it's not my little, uh, my little, my little mini, and I, I miss it. I, I really, actually, legitimately miss it. Well, what made you choose? Is you choose for the camera and the promotion? Mm-hmm. Is that why you would choose the pro over the mini? Yes. So, like now that I've spent some time with the pro, which I think at this point probably has been a week or two. Uh, so the screen is nice. I'll say the screen, like the promotion, it's it's kind of weird. Like I. Don't actually think it's a massive difference. This over is wi- the last it's, this is wild to me in talking to people. Really? Because for me, it is a huge difference, and I know I have some friends who find it a huge difference. Some people I know have just turned it off, like they don't like the way it looks, and then some people like you are just kind of like I don't I, I don't really see it. I don't know what it is like that makes people yeah. react to this differently, but for me, like this feels like the reason f- for me to own this phone. Wow, really? Yeah, I, I love it. I think it looks fantastic. <sighs> so, okay, here. So then my big question to you, how do you feel about the 120 hertz on the iPhone compared to the Z Flip? Because I guess just to put my cards on the table, yep. the Z Flip felt like a more substantial upgrade. And I find that usually to be the case with Android devices. Uh, I, it's not like I have hard numbers on this, but the sort of impression I get is that Android does have a little bit more variability when it comes to like the animation speed and the actual like sort of fluidity, whereas the iPhone has always stayed pretty damn locked to like 60 hertz. Like it always feels very smooth. Whereas I feel like on Android, sometimes you get a little bit of like jittering, a little bit of hitching with like certain animations. And it might even be like a frame or two, but it's something that I notice that kind of goes away at 120 hertz. Whereas on the iPhone, it was already very smooth. Now right. it's so slightly you, more so. The, the jump isn't the same because it was already smooth before. Right, yes, I get, I get exactly. you. I mean, 
The thing is, the places where I'm seeing it is a lot of like system animations. I feel like I see mm-hmm. it and scrolling stuff. And yeah. that's what I'm, you know, this is what I'm doing most of the time on my phone. And I, I feel like it makes a big difference. Like I, I, I feel like I can really see it. But I can imagine maybe if you're more used to it, it maybe, as you said, doesn't feel so much of it. Like if you're more used to it on other devices, maybe it doesn't feel mm-hmm. so much. I, I, I really feel like this is a pretty personal thing like yeah whether you feel like you see it whether your brain is and how your brain reacts to it because i have friends who are like this makes me feel motion sick that's crazy to me that's i mean it's uh, it's a thing like i know that people have like they look at it and it's like the motion is strange it's kind of like 60 frames per second video like if you watch a youtube video in 60 frames per second some people find that like uncomfortable to look at mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so for me look look i certainly can see the difference it certainly is nice like it's not like i wish that i was i want to turn it off or anything but also if all things were equal it does not wash out the fact that this phone is too big and too heavy mike you gotta admit at least this the pro and the pro max are chonk Oh nonsense. god! Yeah. Okay. Uh, what I'll say is, I picked it up and I could immediately tell the difference in. They're in heavy. Weight. Yeah. Yeah, and like and yeah, now but, that they're heavy, you know, they're slippery too. Like the other day, it slid out of my pocket and like landed like a thud on the ground. It like, I uh, I don't know, sure, man. Sure. I, I mean, I what have do you regrets. go to the gym for? Right? Isn't this why? <laughs> isn't this what all, that, all that's for? You know, so you can pick up your phone. <laughs> I'm just working my forearm strength. <laughs> yeah. This is the, the real, you know, <sighs> these are the things you have to do as a tech reviewer. That's why all yeah. the tech tubers have muscles because their iPhones are so heavy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it makes me appreciate, though, is how small, thin, and light the Z Flip feels, especially when you have them side by side. The Z Flip, it just feels like I'm going home. Like, it's just, it's it's the right sort of weight. It's the right sort of, like, thinness. It's, a thin, it's not much thinner, you know. Like, I'm putting mine side by side. I think they're about as thick as each other. Yeah, but the weight. Like, so I've yeah, got my... Yeah, there is my... a weight difference. It's not huge, but you there is a weight difference. You know, I also think, though, that the Z Flip has a... So we're going to talk with the iPad Mini in a bit, too. The, the, I think the Z Flip has a similar thing to the iPad Mini, where it's just the weight is dispersed differently. Mm-hmm. So it's there's always there's always a thing with weight and like relative weight. Like the iPhone feels very dense. It's always felt very dense. Like you yeah. pick it up and like it doesn't really feel. It feels like the entire thing is like a consistent weight throughout. But the iPad Mini, I feel like I can more comfortably hold with like a couple of fingers on the corner or whatever. Even though it's physically bigger and weighs nearly the same, uh, but it's just the the way that the weight is dispersed just makes it co- more comfortable to hold. I don't know what it is that does that. I'm sure somebody smarter than me could tell me, but I know it just feels different. Yeah, well, I think there's pretty big differences between the devices this year because the the weight between, say, like the regular 13 and the 13 Pro is significant. It's I think it's 174 grams versus 204 grams on the 13 Pro. Part of that's battery and extra camera stuff. I think a lot of it, though, is the fact... It's the stainless steel. Yes, the stainless steel. I think aluminum's a better move. I don't actually think that that extra weight does anything besides make the foam feel a little bit more uncomfortable. I mean, I like the shininess, though. Like, I do like the shininess. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I don't know. Like To me, 
I like when I just like literally just the feel of the Z Flip, which is aluminum, and the iPhone, which is stainless steel. I just pick it up. The Z Flip, I just like that kind of texture. Like I, to me, I like something that's a little bit more matte. I like something that's sort of lighter. And especially when you look at like so having spent time with the Mini and the regular 13. Both of those phones feel just better in the hand to me. I, I know, obviously, that I'm putting way more emphasis on this than most people do who put some giant case on it and never even think about it. You had been but on a small phone vision quest. I had, and this. I've seen the future, but now it's being taken away because apparently there's not going to be a 14 mini. And like, I know that like I got to get off the train at some point. And I'm still using the 13 Pro, to be clear. I have not, you know, traded it in or, or, or returned it yet. I, I'm still a little bit on the fence because... There are nice advantages, like, oh my, the battery. Mike, the battery. So good, right? What? It is ridiculous. Like, I, look, again, having come from the 12 Mini and the Z Flip, both of which are barely okay as far as battery life, the 13 Pro feels like I charge it a little bit in the car, like, via CarPlay, and that's enough to keep me at 100% all day long. Like, it is crazy town. Like, I can't wait to have, like, a full, like, I'm gonna have, I've got some travel coming up. I want to really put this thing through its paces on a couple of travel days, but I would not be surprised if I can make it through a full day of travel and not even come close to tapping out this battery. I've done six-hour screen-on time uh, with 40% battery left. And the Pro Max, to be fair, the Pro Max is better. I don't know if yeah, you saw the Pro Max Apple... didn't need anything. It was fine before. Like, it didn't, in my opinion, like, it, it wasn't in need. Of more yeah. battery life, but uh, it, it, they gave it another two and a half hours. Like, it's like this of is course. like this was um, a couple of days after I got it. The next day after I got it, six hours screen on, three hours screen off usage. So like nine hours of usage, and I and it got to sixty percent used through the day. So forty percent oh, battery dude. life left at the end of the day. Look, I'm never going to complain about too much battery life. And I'm not mm-hmm. going to say that, oh, it's so heavy because they filled it with battery, even though I'm sure that's part of it. Um, but, like, there is no way you can complain about any of the iPhones this year, even the Mini, right? So mm-hmm. if I would have known beforehand that the Mini had terrific battery life that was still well above what I needed and the Pro and all the other devices were just super, super extra, that also would have nudged me that way. And the cameras, right? So, okay. I appreciate the improved cameras on the Pro, right? They are really better across the board. The main shooter, a little bit better, not like a huge difference, but it's a little bit better. The ultra-wide is noticeable. Of ultra course, the telephoto. Love the macro. Yeah. I love the macro mode, man. I, <laughs> I, I think it's nice. I do agree with most everyone who's complaining on Twitter that I want to switch because it does they're, definitely they're, like... They're going to add it. They're adding it. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. They're adding it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's weird because I've had things where I'm trying to take a picture and it's in the macro. I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't, want the, I don't want you right now. Like, I'm just trying yes. to take a regular photo, but... But yeah. I, I this because the, the macro mode is something that I've wanted. Like it's it it is a mode that I've wanted from my iPhone for a while, and I'd kind of never really mentioned it before because I just didn't assume that they would do it. Because the mm-hmm. way that macro modes tend to seem to work is like companies put a macro lens, like a crap macro lens, on the phone. Yeah, but it turns out that like I never I'd never really thought of this. Maybe I just don't know enough about how this stuff works. You put an autofocus enabled ultra wide and crop mm-hmm. it in the right way and you can get a macro effect super smart yeah and to be fair i do think OnePlus was the first company that i saw that did the same approach where they didn't right. add the macro but they actually had yeah like the the sensor and the, specifically i think it's the lens that they use that i guess can just kind of 
I don't fully understand the optics, but I guess if it just pulls all the way to minimum focus on the, such a wide lens, you can just focus really closely. Regardless, it's certainly a cool effect. And look, I like these cameras, but... They're not that much better than the mini, which is so much smaller. Mike, I can't make a decision. I like legitimately, I've like hovered over the return button on my iPhone several times, but then I'm just like, the ProRes is coming. That's gonna be outside my return window. But I like the mini. I I I I don't know. I'm like legitimately torn because like the 13 Pro in a vacuum is a terrific device. I have nothing to complain about except the fact that I know that the mini exists. And in most ways, it is just as good, or at least it's worth the trade-off. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to end up. Well, you, what you do know, though, is you only got one year of it, so. Yeah, that's the other thing, right? Of like, do I just want to like ride the mini out into the sunset into the very last second, in which they sort of we have to say bon voyage? I don't know. I kind of want to. I kind of like. Look. Maybe they surprise us, right? And like, turns out the rumors were wrong, and there is going to be a mini next year. You never know. I just should probably, oh, you know what, here, here, how about this? What if I just buy all the minis and they have to make another one? How about that? We just start like a GoFundMe to buy, save the mini, save the whale, save the mini? No, maybe? No? I, I feel like even if you did do it, which wouldn't really make any sense, but if, no, if you did do that, it's, if they made the decision, it's too late, right? Yeah, I guess These I should just stop. multiple years in advance. I know. I just like the mini, man. I just was not expecting, yeah. like, especially based on the announcement that we kind of talked about last episode, the mini looked like a pretty, like, okay upgrade. It wasn't mm -hmm. huge, but looking at the battery life, looking at how much better the cameras are, and just how heavy this 13 Pro is, mm -hmm. to me, it just, it, it, was, it went from an easy decision to a very difficult one. It's like, look, it's worth thinking about, right, that, like, the phone that occupies the mini space might be taken up by an SE next year, right? Yeah, and fair, you know, fair. That's, but the thing is, for you, that's not going to be what you want. Because what you want is modern specs in a small mm. phone, and that's not yep. what the SE would be, right? It might yeah. be modern when they introduce it, but then it's going to stick around for a few years, and that's not going to be what you want. So, yeah, I like it feels like it's one of those things where obsolescence is coming and I just need to just get my head around the fact that if it's not this year, it's going to be next year. Or I'm going to have to carry around a big chunk of a phone and I just have to make my peace with that. But man, I just uh, I don't know. It's, it's weird because like if I can just prefer like for one second, if I can just forget about mm -hmm. how big and heavy the phone is. It is terrific bordering on. I don't want to say perfect, but like, there's very little to complain about the performance, yeah, the I, screen, I, I the camera. Really liked the the beginning of your uh, video, like, and I know that like oh, I know you. I know how it works. Like that they are meant to be like enticing, right? And it's a it, right. and that's a really interesting line. Like I have nothing to complain about. Yeah, but yeah. I know that was the thread of the whole video, and I I think I feel that way too. Like I have no issues with this phone. I have no wants from it. It does so much so well. I would like USB-C. I will say one thing that, especially since shooting that video, so when we shot that video, we shot it entirely on the iPhone 13 Pro Max. I could tell that really soon, by the way, which is yeah. funny. <laughs> the interior, it, there, was, there wasn't, like, it couldn't handle the low light of the interior. Mm -hmm. Outside, it looked fantastic, but, I mean, like, yeah. so what I say is it looks great inside, but not, like, Austin Evans level, right? Like, it's not, like yeah. a typical YouTube video would be for you. Outside, I think I wouldn't have been able to tell, but inside I could tell. 
Yeah, and that's the thing. So uh, we primarily use the main ang- uh, the main wide angle as well as the telephoto. The telephoto is sort of like uh, that 77 mil. Like that's actually a good sort of like sort of focal length for a lot, a lot of what we shoot anyway. And Ken really likes leaning on that. But unfortunately, you need a ton of light. And even then, you don't get the same sharpness. So there's a pretty dramatic difference in the quality between the two. But that was one of the things I really appreciated after shooting that video, which we shot just in the regular H.265, you know, we don't have access to ProRes yet. It is so slow to dump this footage over USB 2. Oh my God, dude, ProRes is gonna be brutal. Like it is gonna be so slow. Cause like we had not even that much footage on the iPhone. Like I would say, I mean, for us, it was probably an hour, a little over an hour of footage. Mm. And I swear it took like almost 30 minutes to dump. Like it was very slow. Like, I mean, I don't, would AirDrop do it faster? It, so AirDrop actually is slightly faster. Unfortunately, I don't generally trust it. Most of the time, if you're AirDropping from a modern Mac, or I guess from an iPhone to a modern Mac, it just transfers the footage. But I've had issues where sometimes it decides to transcode the footage for whatever reason it decides. Because I know there's some kind of handoff. Compatibility. Of like, so, yeah. Th- yeah. But it trips in weird ways sometimes. Like I've definitely had issues where I airdrop, like why is this 1080p or why is this suddenly H.264 and there's no real reason for mm-hmm. it. So we always just use, uh, you know, just a USB, like a CEDA lightning cable using image capture on the Mac to make the, sure we get the full the quality. photos app? Like if it uploads to photos and then you could just grab it from photos? I don't, I, I only pay for a little bit of iCloud. Oh, so I don't have what, is, what is money? <laughs> what? Come on. I have 50 gigs. I have 50 on. gigs. How uh, look, much? But then I have 50 gigs. So it's not like Austin, the base plan. What are you back? Do you back up your phone? <laughs> yeah. But you, I mean, I don't. Austin Evans, do you back up your phone to iCloud? Yes, yes, yes. Do I back you? up my phone. Yes. Where yes, do your I, photos I, back up to? Google Photos. That's oh where all my, my photos God, and videos Austin live. Austin Evans, really? <laughs> yeah. So you open, how often are you opening up the app to sync the photos? I, I turn that off. So how do they back up? Google Photos. So I open Google Photos. That that is my my photo app, right? So like I don't ever open the photo app. So you open it regularly enough that they're going up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also just anytime I'm on <laughs> Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love finding these things out about you. It's so much fun for me. Oh, but yeah. if you just got like the iCloud Plus thing, whatever it's called, you just get a bunch of space and you could. Okay, but. Think about it for a second, right? So I would have to be logged in on iCloud on like the server with all my photos and videos that everyone has to like access to. And then like, I gotta wait for it to upload and I gotta wait for it to download. Like it's so much easier to treat the iPhone like a regular camera, which is just you plug it in and you dump the footage like everything else. It's just USB 2 is slow. So I will say after making my video, I really appreciated the lack of even, I don't even care if it's lightning, whatever. I just want USB 3.0 speeds in some way, shape or form. Obviously, USB-C would be ideal. That would be the probably the one thing I could complain about. I'd love to see Thunderbolt that, on the Pro Phone. I, I would take anything that's right. slightly faster. Like, th- that ProRes is going to be just, like, absolutely just awful to dump. Like, you're going to just be sitting there for, like, an hour to dump footage. But everything being said, the iPhones are still great this year. I still love them. Shooting, uh, this was actually a, the first video we've shot fully on iPhone in a while. And, like, the experience was completely fine. Like, it was legitimately great. The only problem we really had was that we actually had an audio issue, but that was due to the fact that we were using these Rode Labs that were plugged in via Lightning, uh, which worked, but we just had a little bit of, like, interference issues, so I actually had to reshoot part of that video. Um, But, yeah, I edited the whole thing. I cut the whole thing. It was good, but I'm just weird, and I like the mini phone, and I want to 
go back. That's, that's the gist to of move it. on. But there was something I wanted to ask you about the iPhone with videos. I think I saw you on Twitter say that the hype's way lower this year, and I just oh thought that was interesting. Yes. Okay, so just to kind of peel the curtain back on, on YouTube, we made two iPhone videos. So we made a video uh, the day of the announcement, and we made a video the day that it went on sale, right? So sort of, you know, like the, the announcement video and like the hands-on video, essentially. The announcement video traditionally does pretty well, right? Like, you know, like you talk about it and everyone's hyped to find out. That video not only performed the worst of any iPhone sort of launch video that we've ever done, it was like, it was a it was a ten of ten uh, in sort of in our hmm. YouTube backend. Like it was it was a poor performer. The hands on review, it was like a twenty of ten. That doesn't even exist. It was there's no hype for these things, right? Like both of our iPhone videos combined Weird. did less than an average single iPhone video that we would have done a year or two ago. I don't understand it. I don't. You, you know, I, I I like I see this stuff. It happens like it happens in, in online communities. Like an idea spreads. And like mm-hmm. the idea is that these phones are bad, and I don't really know where that idea came from, or like why yeah. it would be different to any other iPhone. Is it just because it doesn't look any different? But Apple changed the design of the phones like once in a blue moon. Like it's yeah. not often. So I don't so, really understand what's going on. Yeah, I, the way I understand it. Um, a lot of iPhone 13 rumor videos have been posted this year. Like there are, uh, I would say right, okay. dozens of okay. videos that are on the iPhone 13 already before launch that have over a million views, right? Too many to base it. And everyone thinks it's boring because they already know everything. Yes. And on top of that, Apple sampled a lot of people this year, right? Um, I, I would say, uh, I would never say too many people because obviously the more people who get their hands out, the better. But when there are, you know, 50, 60 videos going live in the first week, there's certainly a level of saturation there where Mm -hmm. people, (laughs) generally speaking, want to watch one, maybe two videos, and they're probably going to watch it from one of their favorite creators, and that's kind of it. And I think that there was certainly a level of like, especially because everyone kind of had the same opinions, right? Like everyone's like, oh, this is a great iPhone. It's great. It's great. It's great. And uh, you hear that once. And you're like, okay, cool. I get it, right? So it's not hard for people to understand. It's right. not like you need to watch a bunch of unboxings and get a bunch of like sort of diverse opinions. Everyone just kind of agrees that it is a very solid device. And therefore, you're not going to watch 60 videos in your sub box. So I think there are a few things going against it. Um, but it is bizarre, man. Because like, I remember not that long ago, uh, you know, you would be camped out, you know, in line for the iPhone, you grab it, you'd rush back to the studio, shoot the unboxing as fast as you can, you put it up, and it's just mega views, right? Everyone was hungry for that content. And it's just not like that anymore, right? It kind of feels like the OnePlus situation where OnePlus, similar to Apple now, sample a lot of devices to a lot of YouTubers. Everyone posts a ton of videos on it. And people, generally speaking, sort of, or, or they get it, right? They watch one, it's over. It's not like the way it used to. Which is so weird, man. It, it it's Better a different for Apple, time, right? I think, but harder no, for course. some creators. Well, <laughs> I mean, of course, it's isn't it great when you bring out a new product and there are you know millions and millions of people who watch videos about it? Yeah, of course, that's great. But yeah, yeah as a creator, it's like it used to be a no brainer to make two, three iPhone videos, like without question. I think our plans for next year are going to be more scaled back. Like we may make like a single iPhone video because it's just so many people are out there. Uh, it depends. Uh, how, how can you judge hype, right? Because the current iPhone 14 rumors, I can't believe it, are saying it's going to have a new design. <laughs> and that really does change things for people because the new design is something that's hard to leak. 
Like to actually yeah. get the design right is very difficult, but the features can be leaked easily, more easily. We'll see. We'll yeah, see. We'll I guess see. just to me, it seems like the the winds are changing on Intr- how just people consume iPhone content. Super interesting yeah. to me, just to see the general like feeling of like, oh, this is a boring phone, like rubbish, like oh, nothing. Like it was just interesting. Like I've been around. <laughs> oh God, I can't believe I'm about to say this. <laughs> I've been around for a really long time, and I've seen a lot of iPhones. Right. I've I've had them all, and I've been covering this stuff for like 10 years and this is an interesting like the the rhetoric around this phone is interesting because it is as good as any in my opinion year over year iphone so but it seems like people have already written it off as being a bad one and i and it's just just a surprise to me we have a bunch of other stuff we want to talk about today like we've got some really cool surface products to talk about so i'm just gonna very quick just say i love my ipad mini so much it's super small super light amazing to hold in one hand um the home screen looks kind of weird touch id Mm -hmm. is odd to get used to after using face id for so long um yeah this really feels like a portrait oriented device like it's it is physically shaped that way right like they actually made it kind of like um if you hold it in portrait it's thinner so you put it in you know so you put it in landscape and it's like it's it's smaller right they they change the orientation a little bit and i think that it makes the most sense like if you put this thing in landscape the software keyboard basically takes up the entire screen but in portrait mm-hmm. it's easy to thumb type and you as, as really reading feels like the perfect thing for this and for watching video it's fine right because they didn't yeah. shrink it they just made it kind of they changed the the physical dimensions of it a bit it looks fantastic overall this is like an absolute winning form factor for me like I don't feel like you're really losing much from coming from an iPad Air. Yes, the screen's yeah. smaller, but it's easier to hold. So if you're going to be reading on it, it's more comfortable. And it's bigger than a phone. You get iPad OS, which is good. Like even like this is the thing of like, yeah, you, a lot of people say, like, why would you do that? Why would you not just, if you have a Pro Max, why not just use the Pro Max? Well, because you get iPad OS, which means you can do different things. Like I have more available to me. If I want to bring up another app while I'm looking at something, I can do that. I want to bring up QuickNote. I can do that. So I'm really pleased that they have brought the iPad mini back and made it modern. Um, because it's a device, I think, that has a great history, a great set of use cases. Like, you know, when we were talking to Apple last time, yeah, like pilots and doctors use them, but so do people reading their news in the morning. And like, it's great (laughs) for that. It's always been great for that, but had started to get less great for that. Like it was Mm -hmm. not so much a good iPad anymore. It really had just become like the product you use if you need an iPad that's really small. So you'll get the iPad mini, even though it's not modern and looks old because you need the small iPad. But now that it's like fast and modern and looks great again, it, I think more easily fits back into the buying choices for people. It's like, yeah. I think that this is like currently the best iPad for like content consumption. Well, and it's like, look, we've talked so much about the iPad Pro and, you know, it's, oh, it, it replaces your laptop. It replaces your laptop. And it's always like, yeah, it gets close, but, you know, there's this uh, edge case or, you know, this or that or whatever the case is. But I think the iPad mini feels like a little bit more of a refresh of like, well, hang on a second. Throw away the idea of using a keyboard, a trackpad and everything. Yes, this is this is not even in the equation, right? Of like, this is going to replace your laptop. No, it's not that. It's just it a, a tablet. terrific tablet. Yes. 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 And I think it's the best one. 
Like, I think it's yeah. the, just the right set of circumstances to allow for a very good content consumption device. It's like this iPad mini feels like for right now, the perfect kind of device for what the iPad originally was introduced to be. Yeah, it makes sense. Like I have very briefly poked around with one and like there's definitely a part of me which is like, is this just my like little portable device? Like, am I just like gonna forget the keyboard, forget the trackpad, just use this as like my super portable little like, you know, 5G enabled tablet? Maybe, I still like that 11 inch like we talked about last episode, but man, the mini, it talk about a great upgrade. I will, I, I have one question, I know we gotta hurry up. I've got one question for you. Do you miss the 120 Hertz? Cause that is one thing I've always noticed it more on the iPad than on the phone, weirdly enough, especially now I've got them side by side. Yeah, it feels like, to me, that the screen overall is not as high quality. Yeah. Um, where in theory, it's the same screen as my iPad Pro because I have the 11-inch iPad Pro. So like, mm. if you look at Apple's specs page, it shares all the same specs except for ProMotion, but it feels like the screen just isn't as nice. It's perfectly fine. It's great, but like, it just doesn't feel as good, which I could imagine being the case, right? That like, yeah. it's a cheaper device. Maybe it gets the screens that pass quality check but wouldn't go in the iPad Pro. Hmm. Interesting. Or it might be that I'm missing ProMotion. I don't know. I feel like I don't know it's ProMotion on the iPad in the same way that I do the iPhone. So maybe wow, my brain weird. is kind of, yeah, like, I, honestly, I don't really feel like I notice it on the iPad. I think, okay. over, I think right. over time, it's just become like, this is a part of what the iPad Pro screen is, but I don't feel like things are as smooth. I, I don't know why that is, as I, as I feel on my iPhone. Um, so yeah, I think the screen is is perfectly fine for what it's useful this episode is brought to you by privacy.com privacy is a tool that makes it easy to manage your financial life online while keeping your most important information secure because by generating virtual card numbers privacy will mask your bank information so you never have to worry about giving it out to people that you don't know online right so like let's imagine you're going to somewhere like maybe maybe this happened to me today i was on instagram and i was advertised a meal kit and i was like that looks awesome i want to buy that food i want to cook that food and it's going to be great but I'd never seen this company before and I didn't really know about them. And I went to their checkout page and they didn't have the ability for me to use anything like Apple Pay or whatever. And if you're actually buying in Instagram, like you never really have the option. Uh, you have to like put your card number in. And I'm like, eh, I don't know this company. But with privacy, you don't have to worry about any of that because you could just create and it can just create my own uh, virtual card number, put it in. It can be locked to that merchant. And if there was ever an issue, I can just cut them off. They can't charge me more than I want. If there was a data breach, then I'm not going to have my card information stolen because it was just a card number that I created just for that instance. Super awesome. It lets you take back control of your payments. You can decide who can charge a card, how much, and how often. You can close those cards at any time. This means you're never going to be billed twice. You're never going to be upgraded to a service without your consent with a, with a software provider you might pay for. Super awesome. 
I use and love 1Password and privacy is partnered with 1Password. So you can create, use and save privacy cards directly within your 1Password dashboard. All of the virtual cards created in 1Password have the same features as your other privacy cards. So you can still set spending limits, create single use or merchant lock cards whenever you want, super easy. And it's all saved in there. So if you use that, it's greatly integrated. Go to privacy.com slash test drivers and sign up for an account today. New customers automatically get $5 to spend on your first purchase. That's free money, right? That's $5 (laughs) that is yours. Go to privacy.com slash test drivers and sign up now. A thanks to Privacy for their support of this show and Relay FM. Microsoft, let's talk about what our good buddy Panos Panay has been up to, friend of the show. (laughs) He's been in the lab putting in oh, a long, Oh, he's been hard deep hours. in that lab. <laughs> Panos, I thought you were too busy with your new job. Boy, oh boy. So the Surface event a week or so ago, they announced a bunch of products, like a new Surface Pro 8, has a larger screen than Thunderbolt 4. Looks great for people that are in the Surface crew. But there's two products we want to talk about, right? Duo 2 Surface Laptop Studio. Oh, yeah. So what's so, going on with the Duo 2? Because I know you've seen these, right? You had a little hands-on time with these. Yes. So to preface, I had a brief amount of hands-on time. Okay. I had an hour to kind of get a little, you know, sort of information on them and to go play with all of them, including now the new Surface Go. There's the Surface Pro, the Surface Laptop Studio, which I've definitely messed the name up like 17 times, and the Duo 2 as well as the new pen. I call the Surface Laptop Studio about four different things, and I don't know what... Surface Book Studio, Surface Book Laptop nope. Pro. Like I, yep. I don't know what it is, but I think it's because they've taken two products that they make and they've mm-hmm. created a name out the middle of them, and yes. I don't know if it's the name I would have chosen. So, I mean, what, how could you be confused with the company who sells you the Surface Laptop, the Surface Laptop Go, the Surface Go, the Surface Studio book? Do they still make a Surface book? That's gone now, I think, the Surface book. Yeah, the, like the, the two-in-one thing that like actually detached with like a tablet. Yes, that is still around, but the idea, I think, is that the Surface Laptop Studio is generally we'll going to replace that. Yeah, I don't know why, Austin, they didn't call this the Surface Book Studio, because that's what I keep thinking it's called. <laughs> and I'm not sure. Maybe because like it isn't technically the same kind of product as the Surface yeah. Book, right? Because it was, yeah. like, it was a Surface and a laptop. Although they called this, so is it anyway. I don't know, man. <laughs> It's like the the naming scheme is they just put in like you know Surface Laptop Studio Go they like sort of mix it around in a hat they pull out two or three of them they go okay here you go this is the name um, so let's talk about Duo first because I have a lot of thoughts on the studio so uh, I think we've got a special place in our hearts for the Duo we've talked about it many times mm-hmm. in the in the past episodes and the first device was a flawed but charming little device right mm-hmm. the the dual screen form factor the thinness of that first duo was incredible right like it really felt like a very different approach to you know the the z flip or the fold or anything like that like it was a very different way of approaching things however there were some major drawbacks to that device right and a lot of those drawbacks have been solved by the duo 2 so there's a bunch of stuff that you know you can go down the spec list you know it's no longer like what was like an 855 like it was outdated for the second it came out it now has the most recent snapdragon triple eight processor it has not only like eight gigs of ram but it also has 5g millimeter wave the whole thing right so spec wise this is now what you would expect at a 14 1500 dollar phone which is still expensive but 
Uh, the other things, though, that are sort of a bigger upgrade would be in the cameras, which the last model, of course, had a single, basically, front-facing camera that you could just flip around and use. It was terrible. It just was not good at all, right? Mm -hmm. This time, you now have a triple camera rear setup. Now, I will say, when we first saw this, and we talked about it a little while ago, I was apprehensive about the camera bump because it is a large bump. And considering that the Duo is so thin, I mean... I don't know that I don't have the exact spec in front of me, but like when you have the duo folded, it's hardly any thicker than a standard smartphone, right? Like mm -hmm. not like the Z Flip or the Z Fold, which are, you know, the, the footprints are small, but the thickness is definitely there. The duo is incredibly thin, but they did a nice thing with this. So when you go to open up the, the phone and you want to like just completely close it, you know, like, a, like with, I guess, the camera facing inward. Wait, actually, no, there's too many ways to move this thing. Like if you want to like basically unfold it and have the camera sort of like hidden, there's actually a little magnet and a chamfered edge. So it actually kind of like claps together as you go to open the phone if you just want to use one screen or the other. So if you were if you were opening it and flipping the one of the screens round to the back, they've built it so it's it kind of sits nicely. Yes. Because okay. with the last duo, it was flat. So you would just open it and it would just, you know, you could completely close both sides right. and it would just kind of sit together. But now the hinge kind of has a built-in gap that it creates on the back. Right? Yes. So it's not like squeezing weirdly, I guess. Yeah. Hmm. The magnet right. is really nice. It kind of brings Smart. you the last like 5% of the way. And what's actually really nice is that even though, you know, it's obviously not flat anymore, if you're going to use like the pen or something, you set it down, it actually gives you a slight tilted angle on the display, which actually works really well. I was very pleasantly surprised with how that feels. They also have this kind of like case thing that you can put on that you can also use for the pen, which now will be able to be charged via the Duo. Although the reverse wireless charging only works when you have the pen and the case together. It won't work by itself. But essentially, okay. you can put that on. It will help kind of cover up the camera bump a little bit. I think the that's fine. Because the, the pen, I don't think everyone's going to use anyway. Yeah, yeah. So that's one thing, right? But there are other things that are really nice. So not only are the displays slightly larger, they're also 90 hertz this year, both of them, which I think is a terrific upgrade. And, I mean, uh, we've talked about this lots of times. In fact, we talked about it in this episode. You know, going from like 60 to 120 hertz is a big difference. But I would argue going from 60 to 90 is, for most people, the vast majority of that kind of range, right? Just above 60. You just got to get above 60, yes. right? Like, that's the yeah. key. Yeah. Like, if you put a 90 and 120 hertz display in front of most people, they're not going to see a huge difference. Going up to that 90 makes a big difference, especially yep. because you got those two large displays. Yep. But on top of that, they're now curved. But they're curved inward so again this is really hard to describe in a podcast you kind of have to look at it or really kind of feel it to understand but yeah. essentially if you're if you have the phone unfold in front of you so you have your left screen and your right screen where the two screens meet they're folded on that side there's a couple of advantages here one of which is if you're moving your finger from one to the other it now you have like a little bit of like a curved dip where they kind of meet which feels nice but also when you have the phone closed that curved edge is now visible through the uh, the backside, like where like the spine of it is. This part is genius. Yes. And you can essentially get like notifications, alarms, phone calls. It's a very small strip, mind you. Very, very small. But it is a nice little feature where you don't have to open it up. But it's serving the same purpose by and large as like cover displays on say the Z Flip or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't use it for like, I guess, a camera viewfinder. So it's not quite as useful mm -hmm. and you can't interact with it. You can't actually touch it. It's like I said, like you, you'll get in photos. It looks decent. When you look at it in person, it is really small. Like you have to actually kind of look for it. Like it almost seems like one of those things where they designed it like this and they go, oh, wait a minute. You can kind of see a few pixels there. Why don't we like put something? 
but it's still a nice feature. But I think the more important thing is the fact that it feels nice and smooth, right? Like when you're scrolling between those two screens, especially when you have them like folded open where you're only using one screen or the other and it's kind of wrapped around the back, it just feels really nice to wrap your finger around it. And I just think it's very clever. I just think it's like a nice little detail of giving you that like notification thing. You know, everyone's going to know how many Teams messages they have. I love that Teams is broken out into its own little <laughs> thing. I just think it's smart. And it's using, it, well, Snapdragon 888, 8 gigabytes of RAM and NFC. Um, yep. Even if the cameras aren't that great on the outside, it's better than no cameras, right? And I will say they're not that great. I mean, I wasn't uh, expecting it though, right? Like I'm expecting kind of like middle of the road would be my, would be what I would guess. Yeah, I mean, again, I had uh, a probably a grand total of ten minutes to actually play with the Duo Two before I moved on to the other devices. Uh, the cameras are certainly, I mean far better than they used to be. And you've got, you know, the ultra wide, the standard and the telephoto. I think it's a 2X telephoto. But the image quality looked uh, fine. I mean, yep. nowhere near, even like a Z Flip or something. Like, yep. uh, certainly it was not running final software. And we'll talk about that in a second. Um, oh. But yeah. Well, well, <sighs> okay. No, tell me about that. So it's running Android 11. problem, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so... I don't want to spoil anything. We may have a little bit of a deeper dive on this on a future episode. Uh, I got to chat and talk with some people about some of the things that go on behind the scenes about how the Duo 2 was created, specifically on the software side. So stay tuned for that. Okay. But it's still a little janky. Um, they've done some improvements. So now if you're looking at the phone, like you have both screens open, the right uh, screen is the dominant display. So it has now your speakerphone and everything. But also when you go to fold the phone and use it, it by default sets it to that display. And you actually have to double tap the other screen to turn that one on, which is nice. And they still have all like their multitasking stuff where you can like swipe apps up and then like kind of flick them left or right or whatever. Uh, some apps like TikTok now support the dual screen layout. So you can hmm. be watching TikTok on one side and like scrolling through like the discover page or whatever on the other side. That feels it's, like it's a lot. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Double TikTok. Look. That seems like a lot, man. <laughs> when you got, we got hit the talk, man. But uh, look, it's still a little janky. Like it's still, when I was playing with it, it still doesn't feel right. It still feels like sometimes you have to do gestures a couple of times. It still needs some work. And I know that there's certainly a learning curve with the Duo that's not there for most other devices. Um, but uh, this is slightly better. I still think there's a ways to go based on, again, my limited time with an early device. But what I saw didn't operate like on the software side in a fundamentally very right. different way than the previous version. Well, so we're still about a month away from it coming out, right? Or best part of a month away. I think it's like end yeah. of October. Yeah. So yeah. I just have my fingers crossed because that was the biggest issue last time, I think, ultimately, was everyone was really impressed by the hardware. And even the hardware's faults you could maybe look over, but the software experience wasn't good enough. Uh, I really hope that they've taken that to heart, but... It's better, and it's certainly, you're right, it, there's still time between now and then, uh, but yeah, uh, I, I, I'm not filled with confidence that it's magically way, way better. I think it's going to be one of those things where it is going to be, you know, a multiple-year project to really kind of continue to refine and build out that sort of very custom build of Android, and to be fair, there are certainly rumors that there are updated sort of dual-screen and foldable sort of deep functions inside of Android coming soon. So I'd like to think that that will help so that, you know, Microsoft and Samsung, well, they don't always have to like... adopt it. 
Well, uh, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Like, that's... it can be in <laughs> just because it's in Android. Microsoft had to put it in their version or the version True. they're going to put on their device, right? Like that's that's the other issue. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's it. The mm. hardware, I will say for sure, significantly better. Very little I can complain about now. Like all of the main issues have been sort of addressed. Um, I'm just waiting to really kind of spend more time with that software. Um, but yeah, the the duo was nice. Um, did you see the? Well, actually, no, I don't even have to ask this because you were like frantically slacking me during the event of like, oh my god, it's yeah. the Surface Laptop Studio. Yeah, I, I I didn't get to watch all of the event. I watched some of it after, but this part I did catch live. And this it reminded me of the duo because it's very similar. I was recording a show because <laughs> Microsoft do their events at a good time, but usually it's like always when I'm recording. Um, yeah. But, and, and I was able to tune in to see the laptop studio get um, unveiled. Ooh. This is a laptop with like a hinge system in it. So you know you what's can... great about all these surfaces? They're so hard to describe. Yeah, they really are. <laughs> but, but that's cool, though, because like I said something. I, I mean, I think Microsoft are making some of the most exciting hardware and technology right now, like the designs yes. that they pull out. And the fact that we can't explain it to you in terms that you have seen before is what makes that apparent. We can't yes. say to you, oh, this is just like this. Because most of their designs are pretty unique in certain ways. But like this is a laptop that opens and closes like a laptop. But then you can also pull kind of the screen away from the main body and angle it to be either what they call what stage mode, where you're basically mm -hmm. bring in the screen right the way forward. So it's like, I don't know, nice for watching videos or whatever, doing presentations because it's right in front of you. And then also studio mode where you squish it all the way down so it's, the screen is now flat to the body like a tablet and you could use uh, a pen on it or whatever. I would highly recommend for anyone who is listening right now to take a look at some photos or videos of this thing. Yeah, I will have a video up on it uh, at some point in the future. Mm -hmm. um, but it is, yeah, it's very unique, right? But what's nice about it is that you obviously have the touchscreen. You have, you know, those flexible modes. But unlike a lot of sort of like two-in-ones or whatever, if you didn't want to use any of these modes, you would never know that they're there. Because essentially, it's like sort of, if you look at that laptop display, about halfway down, there's a secondary hinge, which is how it kind of can pop out from the main body. Mm -hmm. and you can kind of rotate it back and forth. But it is so thin and so well-engineered that you don't need to use it. Like, you would never have any sort of downside. Whereas, like, you know, I feel like on a lot of, like, sort of two-in-ones and stuff, you know, the, the hinges don't feel great. They have to move, like, the power button to the side of the chassis. There's a bunch of stuff. This feels like the right way to do something like this in a way which is legitimately useful but also it completely gets out of your way and there's no compromise if you're not you know rotating in a bunch of different uh sort of dimensions it's also 120 hertz display which is i guess the theme of this episode gotta go fast 120 hertz display uh not exactly like this is a revolution on windows which has supported it since roughly the dawn of time however it's nice to see 120 hertz on a non-gaming device because while yes this does have a dedicated gpu option a 3050 ti uh, which can do some gaming, but like this is very much more of like a MacBook Pro competitor that you could play some games on. But uh, it's nice to see that 120 hertz, which I feel like the bigger the screen gets, the more it really becomes like very obviously just smoother, especially with some of the new animations that are available on Windows 11. What do you think about the specs? So you can, the good thing, I guess, is you can go up to an RTX 3050 Ti for graphics. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's probably why it has that like interesting base to it where it's like staged and it's got like a bunch of cooling going on 
Um, but you can choose from an 11th Gen Core i5 or i7 from Intel for your CPU. Mm -hmm. What do you think of that? I think it's fine. Uh, I mean, certainly we've seen in like sort of service devices before that, you know, there are the custom Surface Edition AMD processors. And obviously they've got like the Microsoft SQ1 and SQ2, which is just a, a modified Qualcomm chip. Uh, but it, to me, seems like Microsoft are playing everyone, right? Like, it's like, we'll use Intel and AMD and all our wonderful partners, and they kind of, it's almost like they can't mm. pick a favorite child. Yes, well, because they actually can't, right? <laughs> it's yes, bad enough, true statement. quote unquote, bad enough that they do this anyway, right? Mm -hmm. For these comp for all the companies that they work with. Look, I will say uh, 11th gen, uh, like i5s and i7s, there's nothing I can really complain about. Um, the graphics are solid. The CPU performance is good. You're not going to have the eight core design that you would have if this was Ryzen, which I guess would be the main downside for a device, which is meant to be a little bit more of like a professional kind of thing. You're not going to have the M1 performance or necessarily, you know, the, like the rendering capability of a Ryzen 7 or something. Uh, that being said, though, I think it's fine. The 3050 Ti is totally fine. I actually am a really big fan of the way that they've sort of packaged this because if you look at it from most angles, it is very MacBook-like, you know? So it's a 14-inch display, but, you know, it's very, very thin bezels and whatnot. It has a nice display, a uh, nice camera with some stuff that's actually a little bit kind of M1-inspired where, like, you know, it'll detect your face and it'll help kind of auto-expose for that. Like, there's a little bit of sort of smarts going on there. But it's got this little shelf, which, again... Hard to describe, but essentially, I would say if you go around the the front three edges, right, so the front, the left, and the right, there is a, I don't know, maybe a 10 millimeter sort of gap between the base and the actual edge where you have a couple of Thunderbolt ports as well as your uh, your headphone jack. And what that is is not only it's a little shelf underneath the trackpad where you can drop the pen, which to be fair, the pen is better this year. It's got a little bit of like haptic feedback, which, mm -hmm. you know, like as you sort of go over lines and whatnot, it's kind of cool. The trackpad is also straight up MacBook-like, so it's no longer the actual diving board mechanism. It is a, like, sort of the the virtual click. Yeah, so fake click, haptic engine dealio. Yeah, yeah, it's very similar. I would say it feels close enough that you're not going to really notice the difference, but now you can kind of click on any sort of side of it, and there's a fairly convincing kind of a little bit of, uh, like, haptic feedback. But that little shelf that goes around means that not only does the laptop feel thinner when you're holding it, but it enables a ton more cooling, which helps, like, people are like, oh, it's the chunky, you know, huge, super thick device. It's not that thick. And especially when you consider that all the cooling is kind of done away from the keyboard deck and below, I think it's a really clever move because we've seen other companies like Asus do things like their ErgoLift design, which is when you open up the actual uh, display, it kind of like separates the bottom of the laptop and lifts the keyboard deck, which is great right up until the point you're like using it on your lap or something and now it's like not super solid. The studio, the laptop studio to me is absolutely that combined with Windows 11. I'm gonna daily drive that for a bit. I'm very excited for that hardware. I still love the M1 MacBook. I mean, this hardware is still incredible, but this feels like my opportunity to dip into not only Windows 11, but also the laptop studio, because this hardware is just, like you said, it's just so fresh. It's just so exciting.